You're listening to the Mission Bitcoin Podcast. All right, welcome everybody to the Mission Bitcoin Podcast, where each week we explore Christian responsibility in adopting Bitcoin. I'm Matt Solik, your host, and we're glad to have you with us. On this week's episode, Patrick gets to sit down with Adam Moore, a digital marketing director with a full-service agency. He has a bachelor's in economics from Rowan University, a master of liberal arts from the University of Pennsylvania, and some of his interests include Austrian economics, theology, and philosophy. In their conversation today, they specifically talk about a Christian approach to Bitcoin and Adam's article he wrote in a recent rebuttal to an article by Greg Phelan in the Gospel Coalition, Should a Christian Invest in Bitcoin? Today, you're going to hear the breakdown of Adam's response that he published in Bitcoin Magazine, and he gives an interesting perspective on this article and the importance of helping people become better educated by facts and understand the issues that Bitcoin addresses in our society and the world today. It's a great conversation with lots of good insight that I found incredibly helpful, and I hope you do as well. So with that, let's jump into today's episode with Adam Moore. Adam, thanks so much for joining us on today's show. I uh, am really interested in, in talking to you about your reply to um, Phelan, Phelan's article out of um, the Gospel Coalition, and that's kind of why I reached out. But I think I've been we've been following each other for a while on on Twitter. And for the audience' sake, why don't you just kind of introduce who you are and what you do, and let's dive into you know, the, where we should stand as Christians. And I'm, I'm really interested in getting your thoughts, um, as it relates to Bitcoin, obviously on this. So why don't you just tell us who you are and we'll go from there. I am a Bitcoiner and I've been in the, the space, as they say, since 2017. Um, at that time I was more involved in, in alts than, than Bitcoin, but I soon got converted to, you know, follow the one true coin. I'm also, a a ruling elder in a PCA church, Presbyterian Church in America, um, outside of Philadelphia. So, so I've been very interested in the intersection of faith and Bitcoin uh, for quite a while. And then I saw the article from from the Gospel Coalition, and I just had to respond to it. I'd, I'd been planning to to write a bunch of things related to faith and Bitcoin for a while, and uh, so uh, that's that story. Um, yeah, that's, and that's where I'm at right now. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit, Adam, about your, what you do professionally as well? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, well, I, I worked for the federal government for about 17 years and I got tired of that. So, uh, actually while I was still working, there was doing some entrepreneurial stuff and started a, a marketing agency and started doing digital marketing for various types of companies. And kind of through that experience, I started getting a lot of skills that were really useful in the real world. And so for the last three years, I've been working for a digital marketing agency or a regular full traditional marketing agency as a digital director or the director of digital media um, outside of Philadelphia. So uh, I have I have experience working uh, <laughs> for the beast, uh, federal government and and entrepreneurially, and now I work for a, a private company that does a lot of SEO work, uh, Google ads, Facebook ads, and all kind of media um, buying and things like that for, for local clients. Fantastic. Adam, w- give us your view on, 
you know, what the Christian response should be to Bitcoin and do that briefly because we're going to wind this back into the article. And, you know, I want to also talk about the legacy thought leaders out there like Dave Ramsey. I, I think that we really need to get our heads around as Christian Bitcoiners, you know, how should we think about approaching talking to other believers about Bitcoin? Because I, I don't know about you, but I can't imagine you're much different than me or any other Bitcoiner. It, it really becomes an evangelical sort of commitment once you um, find out about Bitcoin. It's, it's almost like we're preaching the gospel. And yeah, so w- what should the Christian's response be to learning about Bitcoin? Right. So I, I, my eschatology and my worldview on, on the kingdom of God uh, really pushes me in a, in a hopeful, positive direction, where as we move forward in history, we, we see the expansion of the kingdom of God um, flourish instead of detract and retract from the world. So um, when I see things like uh, tools of dominion, like money and you know, technology and things like that, um, I, I see those as positive things that God has given to us through his common grace to humanity to affect change in the world, uh, ultimately for his glory and for the advancement of his kingdom. So uh, money as such is really just a tool of dominion. It's a tool to, to carry out the work that God has for us in the earth, which is to be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, and also go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. So as, as kind of that as a backdrop, um, I, I see money as a very important part of, of man's uh, interaction with the world, just like a, a shovel or, or the invention of discovery of fire or internal combustion engine. I see that as the next logical, um, for lack of a better word, evolution in technology. And so a Christian should look at something that God has given us to use, whether it's the wheel or fire or the flying, you know, machine or Bitcoin as something that we should be using. And, and in my opinion, God is not uh, ambivalent to technology. God is not, um, there's no part of creation, like Abraham Kuyper says, that he doesn't declare mine. And so whether it's our personal finances, whether it's monetary policy in general, whether it's uh, technology, internet, whatever, whatever it may be, God has a, uh, uh, an interest in all these things. It's part of his creation. Math is part of God's creation. And so we as Christians need to be uh, conscious of that in using the, the tools that he has given us for his glory and for his kingdom. Totally agree. But there seems to be a disconnect between a lot of Christians' response and handling of money, economics, and what you just laid out. And I, I even know from my, from my own personal experience, you know, when you hear someone from the pulpit talk about money, you usually get the immediate cringe factor. And, you know, I've, I've been a believer since I've been a, a freshman in high school. And so that's not a unique experience. It seems to kind of be a universal experience. What do you think, if, if money's so important, if, if the Lord wants us to use money for his glory, why do we have that response as believers? You mean the negative response? Why is that the general yes. kind of negative response? Yeah. yeah, you know what's interesting is so the world is talks about money and their their thought of the way Christians and believers think about money is that money is evil. And so you can hear the, the Bible verse misquoted, money is the root of all evil, 
which is as believers, people who know the Bible, we, we understand that it's the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil is the, is really the way it should be translated. And, and so, um, it's been said that Jesus talks about like two things in the, in the New Testament more than anything else. And I think one is money and the other is hell. Um, money is a very important aspect of the way that the world works. And the reason why is because like I mentioned before, it is a tool of dominion. It's a tool of, uh, our calling to work as human beings and to advance his kingdom. But there's oftentimes like the garden of like in the garden of Eden, like in, in the commandments of God's given to the Israelites and, and all these different things, we tend to corrupt the good things that God gives us. And so we take the good and perfect gift that God has given us and we, um, turn it into something negative. We turn it into something for our own use and pleasure. And, and James says, you know, you have not because you ask not. And when you do, when you do have, you spend it on your lusts. And so, uh, part of our sinful nature as it relates to, and in in our fallen condition, as it relates to money, um, turns these things negative. And so we need to retrain our mind and, and see things the way that God sees them. So it's not just, um, you know, this money is of the world and, and that's Satan's kingdom. We need to see it as it is something that God has given us for, for our good, for the advancement of his kingdom. And so let, let's use it that way. Um, and, and yeah, and, go ahead. No, Adam, that's great. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. So when you're talking to other believers, is that how you approach it? Because it seems that w- typically when you have these discussions as it relates to Bitcoin, it, it invariably runs into, you know, the investment thesis of Bitcoin. And it, it seems like we naturally gravitate towards that versus what you just outlined. Do you have a different experience? So I, I really like the way safety lays it out in the Bitcoin standard, where the first 10 or 11 chapters of the book talk about money as a construct and what money is. And once you understand what money is, what it's good for, then the Bitcoin part comes later. And a lot of people, when they come into Bitcoin initially, um, they're interested in the number go up technology. They're interested in, in investing, getting more money, and then cashing out in the future. And those people, I would not consider them Bitcoiners as such. Um, I consider a Bitcoiner as somebody who has an ideological commitment to, to changing the way money functions in our society and that pervading um, not only the monetary sphere and the financial sphere of our society, but into politics, into the way we live our lives, into just the improvement of civilization and society as a whole. So, and, and um, yeah, well, I, go ahead. no, Adam, go ahead. I'm, I, yeah. So I, I think that, uh, I think that we need to, so, so little is, is taught in our schools, whether they're public, private, homeschool, about what money is and what it does, how it functions. Um, we've kind of been, you know, we're fish that don't know that we're wet. We're swimming in this sea of, you know, our money has in God, we trust on it. Money comes from the government. That's just the normal, natural um, way that, that things are. And, and because we kind of have a distrust of money because it comes from the government. And I, th- I think Christians should have a healthy distrust of government in general. Um, we, we kind of see it as, you know, well, we're the only reason why we have money and the only reason why we're getting involved in money is because, uh, you know, we're supposed to tie their money. We're supposed to give to the church and, 
it's really not an end of itself. So let's put it over here in a, just kind of a necessary evil, like brushing our teeth or, or taking out the trash. And it's not um, something good to be celebrated in a, in a positive way as a gift from God. So um, interacting with Christians, you have to kind of deconstruct their view of money. Number one, that it's a bad thing or that it's inherently evil or that there's something wrong with it. Because really money is a tool, a tool to um, hold and transact value over time and space. And once you, once you think of it that way, and then when you say, uh, when someone says, well, the love of money is the root of all evil. So it's not necessarily the money that people are interested in. It's what money buys. And if you break it down even further, people are interested in value and work effort when they're lusting after, after money as, a, as an idea. They're interested in the production of labor that they didn't put out. You know what I mean? So if, they, if they're trying to steal, if they're trying to steal something, they're trying to take something from somebody else that they didn't produce that they have no right to. And, you know, kind of like in the Garden of Eden, you know, taking things that you're not entitled to. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, and, and in that way, when you are able to create something out of nothing by stealing it, or, or you're able to acquire something uh, from somebody else that you don't have the, the right entitled to, that is actually kind of almost being like putting yourself in the place of God, where I'm kind of, I'm either number one, creating something out of nothing or saying that this is mine when it's not mine and kind of playing God in that person's um, in life. So the, when it, when it comes down to it, the lust for money or the, the negative part of money is uh, a, a not right relationship with who we are as creatures and not God. And, and not being thankful for what we have and not being satisfied with what God has given to us. Well said, very well said. You know, I think that as, as believers, and one of the reasons that I started doing the writing that I did and, and do and the podcast is I feel like, you know, while there are, there are a fair number of Christians on Bitcoin, Twitter, it seems like it, if this is truly going to be a societal transformation um, I really feel like Christians need to be at this intersection and redeem Bitcoin and the Bitcoin movement um, for God's kingdom. Um, we, we need to be present. And I feel like um, a lot of us are just kind of being, and I'm, you know, I'm including myself when I say we, the, it, it, we can't be lazy. I mean, this is something that we've got to engage with and learn about so that we can redeem it for God's, um, God's kingdom, as you said. And, uh, you know, I was writing, um, an essay this morning and just thinking about the inventions of man that have tr transformed mankind. You know, you, you go back to fire, the wheel, electricity, steam engine. And if you really think about it, the gospel, God's kingdom could not have advanced without any one of those. And there, there have been incremental inventions that and technologies that have, have helped uh, beyond that. But if you think that every technology is ultimately under God's purview, as you mentioned, to expand his kingdom, then absolutely, if Bitcoin is this important, then we definitely have to be taking control of it for sure. Um, so I guess with that, let's, let's kind of talk about the article that was in the Gospel Coalition written by uh, Greg uh, Phelan and, uh, Phelan. and, you know, I saw this uh, along with you on Twitter. I, I didn't read it originally on the Gospel Coalition. I saw some um, other Christians commenting on it, and I actually found Greg's email at his, at his um, 
place where he works, the university that, that he works at. And I just emailed him and I said, you know, this was kind of inappropriate. You should have done your research, but you, you kind of went the extra step and, and wrote an article, which was a, a great rebuttal and, and it got published in Bitcoin magazine. So let's just for those that are, may not be aware, I'm going to break the article down and let's just kind of go through your rebuttal and let's also put this in the frame framework of, you know, there are a lot of people out there that still abide by Dave Ramsey's school of thought, and he's a great man. He's done a lot of good work. He's helped millions of Christians um, escape debt. But, um, you know, I think Greg Phelan and, and Dave Ramsey kind of fall into the same camp. So, you know, there are no dividends here. What, that's, that's not just a Christian argument. I mean, you, you can hear uh, Peter Schiff make these same arguments. So why is that argument being made and why does it matter? Yes. So, you know, it's, it's funny because people think of dividends, which are, you know, kind of the residual profits from owning a stock or a bond or something like that, like kind of what you're owed for putting up your money. They see that as kind of the end all be all. And the, the funny thing is that the, the, the dividends that are, that are out there are, are typically kind of are actually funded through inflation. A lot of them from a lot of companies um, and they don't see Bitcoin as a productive use of capital. So for instance, I, I mentioned in the article that real estate is an investment. It doesn't pay dividends, but it actually goes up in value. The reason why it goes up in value is because, um, number one inflation, but real, real estate tends, can, can be oftentimes, uh, in a, um, increase in value because it becomes more desirable because there's more people on the earth, you know, that are making more beachfront property. And it becomes more useful as time goes on because people improve upon it. The technology to improve upon it becomes uh, greater and greater and it, and it has more productive use. So the idea that just because Bitcoin doesn't have a dividend doesn't mean it's not a productive asset. But I do say that with a caveat, I believe that Bitcoin is really a speculative asset because what you're trying to do and the, the, the benefit of of owning Bitcoin now because before it becomes completely monetized is that it's a, a speculative attack on the dollar and all the forms of currency, which means that, that you are, you are betting that your investment is going to pay off and more people are going to want that Bitcoin in the future. So for instance, even, even gold prospecting and gold mining, like if you think about it, that's not a productive activity in, in the economy, right? It's, it's not a productive activity because you're spending uh, energy, time, resources to dig gold out of the earth when we already have gold. It's not as if it's a, it's a hugely interesting industrial metal. It does have some industrial uses, but it, it's not extremely useful as an industrial metal compared to the monetary value that it has. So um, Bit, Bitcoin's major uh, value from an investment thesis perspective is the, the transformation of society from monetary policy that is uh, soft, easy money or not hard money to one that's hard money. Yeah. And that, 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 that argument right there though, that last caveat is when we normally invest, we don't, we don't need to put that into our equation of investment. Uh, and that's, that's definitely new within the Bitcoin framework for sure. And the 
you know, I love this that, you know, I'm looking at Phelan's article again and we'll have you rebut, but so as an asset, Bitcoin should have no value at all, but as a currency, it might. So <laughs> just, you know, it's fundamentally, um, uh, I, I don't know how to respond. I know you do, but uh, I mean, respond to that. <laughs> yes. So as a currency, it might, and, and right now the, the investment thesis for Bitcoin is the delta between its non-monetary use and it's just kind of its its collector's value right now amongst Bitcoiners and people are interested in it and its future monetary use. And so um, if Bitcoin becomes a currency, it becomes the currency and it becomes the dominant currency and then, it, and then possibly becomes the only currency. Once that happens, then there really will be no speculative monetary, you know, premium on Bitcoin. It will just be money. Like I remember, I remember when, before I was uh, really well-versed in, in cryptocurrencies, when Tether first came out, I remember seeing it on the, you know, coin market cap. And I was like, wow, it's only a dollar. Now I wonder if I can uh, buy a little bit of Tether right now and maybe it'll go up. And then I quickly realized, well, that it's, it was low market. It's, cap it's stable. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's what, that's what, I mean, Bitcoin will be deflationary in the future because yep. of its yep. because of its limited supply. But but just aside from that aspect, if Bitcoin um, becomes the dominant or only currency in the world, then then I won't be telling people to buy Bitcoin. Like, there will be no buying it. It'll just it will just be. Um, That's right. And, and right now, it's it, the, the speculative aspect is the uh, and the distance between where we are now and everybody using it. That's that is the investment uh, thesis. On it. Other than that, there's, there's really no other investment thesis for Bitcoin, in my opinion. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. But I, I think if you're thinking at it from a purely investment and number go up technology, for sure. But I think if you look at it for the societal changes and the technology aspect of it, oh, sure. um, yeah. I, yeah, there's, there's a, I, I think would be a whole host of other reasons to actually want to invest in it. So what do you, what do you make of this comment uh, from the article again, as a currency, Bitcoin is not as good as dollars or any other currency. There is no debate about that. Yeah. And then I think my response was, you know, sarcastically, I debate, you know, I'm like, I'm raising my hand teacher, you know, I, it's, uh, uh, he kind of already he kind of assumes he kind of assumes that because people say, you know, where am I going to spend, you know, where am I going to spend my Bitcoin? I, they don't accept it at McDonald's or wherever else or Starbucks, which number one around the world, that's not necessarily true. But number two, nobody, nobody accepts, uh, I can't pay for my coffee with a check or I can't pay my, I can't pay with, for my Starbucks with a money order nor a wire mm -hmm. transfer. Um, but yet nobody doubts the validity of the dollars that those items represent. And I can't go to the mall and go to the Gap and buy, you know, a pair of jeans for a gold ingot or a bullion. But nobody finds that that has value. So, um, really, what we're talking about here is um, really this is like, uh, you know, Bitcoin being on the one yard line, first and goal, and you know, about to punch the ball into the to the end zone, and then and you celebrating that your team is going to win you know, on the other side there, like the idea, the idea is that, you know, all these other forms of, of money, whether it's wire transfer, gold checks, 
uh, regular bank accounts, those are all subject to seizure and to failure and have um, their own technological limitations. Whereas now that we're in, we're truly in the information age with smartphones and, and QR code readers in your phone and all that stuff, we are about to Bitcoin usage and availability on top of that with the Lightning Network is about to explode in such a tremendous way that it's almost like you when know, Paul Krugman said, you know, the internet's like a fax machine or, or whatever his, his thing was. Um, you know, like it's it's a it's a ridiculous statement when you think about it. True. Well said. And, you know, as, as we go through the article, we get to the actual Christian response and how should Christians feel about Bitcoin? And he immediately just goes into, well, how do you feel about gambling as an investment strategy? I, I just, I, I don't know why he can make a leap like that and um, just get away with that. Yeah. So it, gambling, gambling uh, assumes We'll put it this way. I, I kind of do agree with him in one aspect when it comes to altcoins um, and things that are not Bitcoin. And so I think we do need to separate that out. I know a lot of I know a lot of people, including Christians. I've I've done this in, in the past where I was interested in in trading these things because the the sole investment thesis from my perspective was that somebody else is going to pay more for it in the future. And mm-hmm. therefore, I'll, I'll dump it on them. I'll get money. I've since repented of, of that kind of mindset. Um, but it really is a gamble. It's it's a, a negative gamble, or put it this way, we're relying on the government to, to maintain its monetary policy in such a way that we are going to uh, survive and thrive as a society. That, that's a terrible bet. And we have currently found a way to, just to exit, not even in a in a, in a bloody way or like a civil war or anything like that. We have a, we have a way now to, to change that whole thing. And so um, the only gamble that exists is whether or not there's a bug in the code somewhere that we, nobody's discovered, whether uh, governments are going to start shooting people for owning Bitcoin and like start an actual war. Other than that, I can really see, foresee no other black swan event that would cause bitcoin to die i mean it just there there would be there would have to be some kind of massive change in the minds of millions of people who are actually holding bitcoin before it would it were to go down in a significant way yeah yeah you know i think when when i think of the word gambling i think of you know chance and 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 not only chance because chance would you might actually break even, but you know, the odds are actually stacked against you in a gambling environment. And I think that anybody who fundamentally understands Bitcoin is, you know, you're, you're not going to lose if the, if the math is right. Um, if the code is right, as you stated, and if the, if the market cap is, um, what it can be. And if hard money always wins against soft money, then this is not a gamble. Uh, I think, it's probably the exact opposite. Those who are still in the fiat system are, are the ones that are gambling, not, not those that are within the Bitcoin system. And I find it pretty interesting. You know, one of the last paragraphs or sentences, he says that Christians should be excited to invest in ways that serve the common good, whether by using their retirement funds to align values and investments or by providing funding for a car wash to provide jobs or in 
any number of other ways investing creates and serves. Um, I, I, um, I'm not sure what to make of that. Yeah. Again, I don't even necessarily disagree with that as a concept. So first, there's a couple different items here. So when one person is productive, everyone benefits from it for many reasons. When somebody employs the capital or, or the resources they have saved, that provides jobs for other people, that provides uh, incentive for that person to continue producing goods and services that people need. Um, it, it makes a, an upstanding member of the society that's not prone to, to theft or to murder, to, to steal things from other people. So it, it is, we talk about the common good or the common wheel or the commonwealth um, in philosophy and, and in politics, like all those things are, are wonderful, good things. Um, and I also agree that when you are trying to invest your money to help other people um, also do those things, whether it's, you know, uh, you're, you're helping another person start a business. But the primary, the primary thing about economics is, is, self, is self-interest. And, and that's not a, that's not a bad thing. You are supposed, you are called by God as a Christian and even non-Christians, you're called to work with your own hands that you may have something to give to those in need and to provide for your own family. And if you don't provide for your own family, the Bible says you're worse than an unbeliever. So it, it is, it is of the utmost importance that we work hard with our own capital, but the primary purpose of, of us creating capital and, and doing what we're supposed to be doing is not merely for the quote unquote common good, it's for our own specific good. And, and on top of that, um, there is really no better good in my, in my opinion right now than building a solid foundation of monetary policy, which is based on Bitcoin and not based on the sinking sand of fiat, the fiat system. And, one, and so my opinion right now, there's really, when I, when I go out and, and I'm trying to think of like, okay, I have my Bitcoin, what else can I invest in? Like, what can I, what can I do right now to be more productive? And I don't just want my Bitcoin sitting there. But then I think like, what could be more productive than resting in control of monetary policy from the government and returning it to um, humans who, who are abiding by uh, a common set of rules that benefit everybody else? It, it, it's hard to find a better investment vehicle than Bitcoin right now. Yeah, to- totally agree. You know, as so as we, I mean, your rebuttal was fantastic. I think Phelan's arguments were definitely flawed and not not well thought out. But I, you know, as we transition to fellow believers and the church at large, what you know, I think it, I think it is going to be a personal evangelism, quote unquote, of Bitcoin that creates mass adoption there you know we don't have a corporation behind us promoting bitcoin but i mean do you think there's going to be a pivotal event that happens or do you think it's going to be each one of us kind of evangelizing our our fellow um uh, christian friends and telling them about bitcoin is that what it's going to take so uh, there's a couple of things here. Well, one thing I, I want to kind of bring up tangentially to this, and I think this might explain it. Uh, I, I got you mentioned before, I'm interested in the expansion of the kingdom of God. Um, you know, not only in my own personal heart and my own personal family, not only my church, but all over the world. Um, so I, 
not to get too controversial, but I think this kind of does touch on eschatology slightly. And um, I tried to orange pill somebody who is very heavily into uh, dispensational theology. Um, and for those of you who may not be on, understand that type of thing, um, in my opinion, it's more of a, a negative eschatology, which says like the world is going to hell in a handbasket. You know, we have to like things are getting worse and worse, and God's going to rapture the church out. Yada yada yada. Um, and so, in my opinion, Bitcoin is sort of the exact opposite of that, which is an eschatology that says the kingdom of God starts small with twelve guys in a boat, and then expands throughout the world. And then the Bible says, as the water covers the sea, so shall the knowledge of God be on the face of the earth. Um, and on top of that, like the Great Commission says, go you to all the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the age. Couple of that with the most quoted verse in the Bible, or the most quoted verse in the New Testament, which is Psalm 110. The Lord said unto my Lord, um, continue to reign until I've made your enemies a footstool for your feet. Meaning, in, in my, my interpretation, that is God will continue to tarry and continue to um, go move on with the earth until all the enemies of Christ are put under his feet. And that is, that includes enemies of sickness and death, that includes the enemies of, well, the last enemy to be destroyed is death, but the enemies of, of governments not uh, acknowledging Jesus as the king, the enemies of, of fiat system, the enemies of cancer, the enemies of, uh, you know, racial tension, lots of different enemies of, of Christ that exist on this earth will be defeated in a progressive way over the course of history. Yes, there'll be up and down, ups and downs, but there will be a continued advancement of the gospel. And so kind of like with that as a backdrop, I'm not, I'm not equivocating necessarily Bitcoin with the gospel. But I think that we need to maybe deprogram some of the, the negative theology that says the world is, is getting worse. Um, you know, money is bad. Therefore, like, let's stay away from this Bitcoin thing. Let's just focus on the gospel. Um, I, I do believe the gospel is the, of the most primary importance, obviously. But Jesus said, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So everything in the Bible is part of what we as Christians should be teaching other people. Not only did Jesus Christ die for your sins according to the scriptures and was raised, you know, was buried and raised again according to the scriptures, but what does God require of us? So um, in, in my opinion, monetary policy falls under, like, is everything in the universe belong to God? Yes, well, monetary policy falls under that category. And so it is, for me, um, part of my little, sphere of influence in, in the Christian world. So, you know, some people are hands and some people are feet and some people are eyeballs and, and all these different things as far as the, the body of Christ. Um, my little, my little part to play at, at least at this point in my, in my life is to help carry the message to say, we've been, we've been operating our lives in a, in a negative way as a society, as a country. Um, let's, let's do something different. And that will help us carry the kingdom of God further in a more positive way. Okay, so I mean, I I think we might disagree a little bit, but I, you know, I look at Bitcoin uh, from a missions perspective, and I come from the background or the thought that 
um, you know, all people groups will, all peoples will hear the gospel. And I look at Bitcoin as a way of funding uh, missions sure. and kind of altering the the model of missions. You know, I was a lay missions pastor for three years when I lived in Maryland. And the one of the problems with missions is you get these missionaries that come back home on furlough and they spend the entire summer scouring the or traveling the country trying to raise funds. And they're supposed to be coming home for rest, but they're, they spend all their time raising money. And what I would love to see is, you know, maybe the initial tranche of funding or um, a, a portion of the funding goes into Bitcoin. And with the, we leverage the exponential rise of Bitcoin and that missionary couple, if they never, if they never want to come back home and raise money because of the value of Bitcoin, they may never have to, or, you know, providing Bitcoin mining rigs for uh, remote villages with stranded energy. And so we could go, we could go and build a church, dig a water well, but you know, why don't we provide a, a source of income where they're not dependent upon us? So th- for me, that's the, that's where I'm excited to see Bitcoin used within the church on, and on the mission. I mean, I think we're both coming at the same thing, but sure. uh, s- slightly different perspective, but that's, that's what I see um, the value of Bitcoin for the church and missions. So Adam, tell us a little bit about, you know, where, you know, your church is uh, personally. I mean, how big is the church that you attend? Our church is um, probably approximately a regular attendance of, of around 110, um, relatively, okay. relatively small. I think actually not that small for, for the Northeast, for the Northeast and especially where I live, a uh, high, highly Catholic area, um, high Jewish population, but, uh, we're in the Presbyterian church in America. So we're, um, evangelical, uh, kind of a reformed tradition. And, um, I, my church specifically, we have a lot of people in, in my church that have invested in Bitcoin. And uh, I, I know all the, the ruling elders of our church have invested in Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, I, I'm your typical Bitcoin evangelist, so I, I've talked to everybody about it. Um, I currently have been saving some, a portion of my, of my tithe in Bitcoin and holding it aside, as well as contributing regular dollars as well. But um, I'm in the process right now of figuring out a way to to have a, uh, the church accept Bitcoin um, with the trustees and the financial people who, who deal with the finances, um, educating them a little bit better so that they understand uh, key management and all those different types of things. And um, in getting to a point where we can actually accept Bitcoin, maybe we're, not everybody's going to be 100% on board the entire way, but some people want to be able to give in this way. And I think it's good good for us to start. It's going to be a slow transition at first, um, getting people just start to think in Sats, start to think in Bitcoin, so that um, you know it's part part of part of the transition, like in the rest of our lives. Like most of us think still think in dollars, and we pay our bills in dollars, and we have to convert before we convert the Bitcoin into dollars before we transact in it generally. But um, but I have bought things in Bitcoin, and I. I'm planning to give money in Bitcoin. And I think slowly but surely people will start to understand um, the value of, of Bitcoin. I th- and to, to your point about missionary work, I think, I think that's really uh, an amazing aspect of Bitcoin because um, I'm the type of person, uh, while I have a healthy respect for God-ordained authority, um, 
it's also my personal theological conviction that the, the laws that are in unjust are not are not laws at all. So if the government says I cannot send money to Iran to a pastor in Iran, I don't really care about that, about that law. Yeah, uh, I've never done that. Um, for, you know, thank you FBI CIA, just in case. Um, <laughs> but, but, but I mean, to the underground church in China, to to yeah. wherever, wherever, you know, number one, the remittance fees for wire transfers is super high. The the the, the time, even if it's not a sanctioned a specifically sanctioned country the remittance time is long the the potential for seizure is is always present the cost is high i mean imagine being able to kind of like stream lightning sets to to a missionary under you know in a, in a hostile regime or something like that that would be an amazing way for the gospel to go forward um and so if we if we onboard more Christians and if it does what we we kind of think that it's going to do, it's going to be uh, an amazing boon for the missionaries that we can send uh, from from this country, from the United States and from other countries to be able to uh, to evangelize other people. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, you know, and, and the way I look at it, too, and looking at the truths of Bitcoin and, and the Bible, um, for lack of a better term, the if you know, we live in a post-Christian world and it's harder and harder to relate to unbelievers because they don't understand the language that we speak. But um, if Bitcoin penetration is about 2% of the global population right now, if we can draw parallels between Bitcoin and Christianity, which I've done, that, that in my mind, just becomes a great evangelical tool. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And that's what I'm passionate about. Um, that's kind of part of again, why, why I've done my writings and, and, um, the podcast. So I'm excited about that. Adam, I mean, kind of encompassing everything that we've talked about, if you wanted to kind of drive home one key thought to, um, those believers out there. And, and obviously most of the, the people that are going to be listening to this podcast are probably Bitcoiners, but maybe is there something that we could hang our hat on as we talk to fellow believers um, that you think would be kind of an effective takeaway from this discussion and in particular, you know, the work that you did in rebutting uh, Phelan's um, article? So uh, one of the, I think one of the most important aspects of of Christian Christianity and Christian thought and Bitcoin is the idea that it really is is good money and it's it is in keeping with the eighth commandment. So the eighth commandment says, "Thou shalt not steal." So anything that tends toward theft, deception, um, it is is evil and wrong. And we want to be promoting things that are that are good in the sight of God. So, in my opinion, you know, things aren't neutral. You know, they're either pro God or or anti God, and so. There are very few things in the Bible that God calls abominations. Um, there's uh, the Proverbs list seven things, um, but the Bible also calls um, diverse. The, the King James talks about diverse weights and measures, or a diversity, kind of like scales that are that are false, or the balances that are false. And so the concept is, you know, playing with two sets of of standards, not having one standard. Um, I think it's in Numbers or Deuteronomy. It says uh, you should have a just ephah and a just hin. Um, so these weights and measures that were used in commerce to to conduct trade and to transact value across you know various people and, and various um, parts of the marketplace. 
And Bitcoin is really a fulfillment kind of, of that just money. So there's a, there's a scale that is completely even and balanced. We all know the, the issue and supply and the supply schedule. We know we can verify all transactions going back to the Genesis block. We can, we can, um, everyone's in consensus. It's almost like a reversal of the curse of Babel, like where people were scattered amongst the earth and they had, they didn't have a common language, like through the magic of technology, we have, you can get these, you know, translator apps and stuff like that. And it's almost like you can see the reverse of the curse of sin happening, flowing from the foot of the cross. So we sing at Christmas time, he comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. Well, has, is the curse found when it comes to money and the corruption of our monetary system? It is. So therefore, we should be promoting and championing places where the victory of Christ over sin touches this aspect of our lives. And so we need to be promoting that. Um, that's, uh, yeah, when, when I talk to other Christians who haven't been orange-filled yet, they look at me like I have two heads when I say stuff like that. But, but I, I really think, I think it's important. And it's not just necessary. It's in the medical field. It's in the yeah, yeah. Supply chains. It's um, it's an education, especially. Um, there are lots of places where we should be champions for things that conform to the image of Christ, more toward the image of Christ. And, and that's right. If we do that, um, you know, I don't think you really can't can't lose truth in all those other areas and truth in your money. And and I think God is pleased with that. Amen. Well said. Adam, thanks so much for your time. And I'll, uh, if I, I guess the best way for people to contact you or kind of uh, connect with you is on Twitter at Hoddleberry. And, I, and I'll, I'll leave that in the show notes. I mean, do you have any other ways you want people to engage with you or is that the best way? That's the best way. You know, if anybody ever wants to talk to me about Bitcoin or marketing, um, one thing that I, one thing that I have been doing, um, is doing some kind of seminars for people I know. So I'll get, I'll jump on a zoom call with five or six people and do a little slide presentation. Um, I give them a, like a starter kit with, with a listing of articles. They should read books that they could buy, uh, things like that. So if anybody has any interest in learning more about that type of uh, program, it, it's basically something I'm just doing on my own. I can give them a, a slide, slide deck that might help them and they can kind of create their own, but it's something I'm very passionate about. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not really selling anything Bitcoin related. Uh, you know, I don't have any Bitcoin projects going on where I'm, I'm making money or selling anything. It's just um, me passionate about this, this subject. Awesome. Fantastic. Thanks, Adam. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks again for joining us for this week's podcast. If you know of someone who would benefit from hearing this episode, please be sure to pass it along. We are still continuing our project in Panahachug, Guatemala on Lake Atilan. Patrick recently spent some time there as we continue taking ground and building this community as a Bitcoin circular economy. We're excited to get to share with you some of the details of that project, but there is still time for you to participate with us. You can learn more about the project on Twitter at Lake Bitcoin. Also, our desire here at Mission Bitcoin Podcast is to help you along in your understanding of Bitcoin, your understanding of who Jesus is, and how you can be used for the greatest good. If you're sensing you can use some help and clarity of direction for you in any of these areas, 
Or if you'd like some help for your church in adopting Bitcoin, we would love to talk. Start a conversation with us by visiting the links in the show notes of today's podcast. Next week, we're back with another brand new episode. So until then, have a great week, everybody. for listening to the Mission Bitcoin podcast. To access the tools discussed today, be sure to use the links found in the show notes. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. 